But I want to direct your attention to 1 Timothy. And the message really is so fitting for our graduates and is so fitting even for, for Daniel and Carolyn. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about family, and they are indeed an incredible part of our church family. And what a blessing it has been to have them here. And, and as a family, we're launching off graduates. A lot of these uh, young people, some of you have changed their diapers and been their Sunday school teachers, and, and it's just a, it's a family event. But, but the text over the last couple of weeks has been out of Psalm 127, which says that, that children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. And we talked about the fact that we're called as parents and as churches to help sharpen and straighten and strengthen and then deploy and release for great impact these arrows. And that is our prayer for these graduates. They'll be sharp arrows to make impact wherever they go. And we know, we know that uh, over the years as, as Daniel has grown in his ministry here that he's going to make great impact wherever he lands. And so we praise the Lord for that. Well, this is the third week in a series called uh, Family Matters. And, and I want to just direct it uh, and focus it a little bit differently this morning. I wanted to talk to the parents some more, but I also wanted to talk to the, the other end of the spectrum. I've talked to parents about being blacksmiths. The blacksmiths were the ones that were charged with, uh, with creating the weaponry and how Israel, we saw last week, had lost all of its blacksmiths. And so when it came to warfare, there was no one there. There was no one to sharpen the axe. There was no one there to make the sword. The blacksmiths had been taken over by the Philistines. And so Israel found themselves somewhat helpless and dependent on the world around them to produce, to produce the weaponry that they needed. And so this has been a call, this has been a call to us as parents to, to get back into uh, what the blacksmiths would call their smithy. To get back into the, the heat and the environment and to not hand off this incredible responsibility we have to be the blacksmiths in our family, to take the raw material God gives us in these children and to help do what we can uh, to build the area. You know, I, 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 I truly believe, you know, we talk about the greatest generation. I, I believe we're going to have another great generation. I believe it can happen. When they look at what's happening in our culture and in our, in our land and in our world, they're, gonna have to, they're not going to have some of the privileges and the ease that we've had in ours, and they're going to have to fight some of the same battles. As I mentioned, the greatest generation, I'm kind of mourning the loss of a, of a friend of mine. Uh, a, few day, a few days ago, uh, Colonel Tony Savore passed away. You might remember him. I recognized him on Veterans Day. He was 100 years old. This is a picture of he and I together a couple of years ago at our July 4th picnic. I count it such a privilege to have known him. A hundred years old, he flew the surrender papers back over on his bomber. I think I got a picture of the, of the bomber he flew. 140-some missions in World War II. Then he, was one of, he procured all the helicopters for the Korean War. He picked them out. He was a helicopter pilot. He was also the first person to, have a cra to crash a helicopter in Korean conflict. And uh, just a, a true hero. And then he came home and was a judge for many, many decades and just loved the Lord. 
And he just, he, he, when I think about warriors sent out into battle, someone who made impact with their life, I think of, of Colonel Savor. A hundred years. He squeezed everything he could out of this life. And as I was thinking about graduates, and I was thinking about producing children, it, I, I believe that there can be another great generation. But what it's going to take, it's going to take parents who are willing to be the blacksmiths and build the arrows, and it's going to take young people who are willing to be the arrows. Because you can build them and build them, but at some point we've got to get our our young folks, and, and even those of us who are no longer in that category, we are still called to be arrows, to be instruments of God's using in this world. But instead of sharpened arrows, we're finding uh, that they're not, they're getting stuck. They're getting stuck in adolescence. They're getting stuck in some bad ideas and bad relationships. And I think a lot of us, instead of being the sharpened arrows, we become consumers of the world rather than contributors to the world. Instead of penetrating the world, the world is really penetrating us. And one of the examples that I brought out to help show us parents how to how to help build the arrows was the Apostle Paul. Listen to what he said about his spiritual son, Timothy. In Philippians chapter 2, and we'll get to 1 Timothy in just a second, but Philippians chapter 2, and this is just one example of where Paul says, I'm going to launch to you, I'm going to send to you, I'm going to shoot out to you because I know he's sharp and I know he's straightened and I know he's strengthened by the Holy Spirit and he will do what God has designed him to do. Listen to what he says. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's, what? His proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. In that text, you see the relationship between Paul and Timothy. A son and a father type relationship. You see the father's confidence that when he launches out Timothy, when he sends Timothy out, Timothy will represent him well, will fulfill his duty, and will, and, uh, will hold fast the faith and will not seek his own interests I know, parent, I know graduates, your parents, that's uh, one of their desires this morning. I've launched out some kids, still in the process of launching them, and that's my prayer. We can build the arrows, but we're praying you'll be the arrow. You'll be the arrow. And Paul could count on Timothy to be the arrow, but it's very interesting that the Apostle Paul, from time to time, and we see it, saw it in 2 Timothy last week, had to come alongside of Timothy and, and kind of rattle his cage a little bit. And, and even as an adult, he came alongside of Timothy. He said, Timothy, don't be timid. Timothy, stir up, stoke up within you the gift of God that was given to you. And some of us this morning really need to be stoked up stirred up to be the arrow, to be what God and your parents and your church has, has worked to try to, to, to disciple you to be, to send you out. 
And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, there's three verses that are fascinating to me that I just want to look at real quickly this morning. And you see the task, the purpose of every parent right here in the first few words of verse 18. This charge I entrust to you. And what he's just talked about is all of my commands, all of the things God has called me to, this gospel that I have taught you, and this responsibility for the church, I am entrusting that to you. I'm, I'm on my way out, Paul says, and I'm launching you out, and I have built into you these commands, these truths, and it's a charge, and I am entrusting it to you. What are you entrusting to your children? Parents, what are you entrusting to the coming generation? What do you think about when you think about your children and grandchildren uh, running our church? Running our nation. Running the businesses that are coming. Being the citizens. What is it that we're encouraging and laying into our lives? You know, I talked about this. I compared parenting to being a blacksmith. And how it's important. Every blacksmith knows so well the key implements of his trade. And so a blacksmith had to commit himself to know his trade. And parents, we got to just continually work Work at what God has called us to be. We need to know our trade and embrace that task. We need to know our tools. Last week I talked about the main tool of the blacksmith is the anvil. This anvil was the very foundation of all the the metal work and how he would use the anvil and the hammer. And the anvil for us, the very foundation of our parenting, the foundation of forming the minds and hearts and building those arrows is the word of God. That truth is really the only thing we can count on. It's really the the firmest thing in the universe that we can look at. Is that the word of God is true. And so we, we use that as the foundation of our parenting. And then we use the hammer. The hammer of uh, discipline and training. And we talked about how you just have to have a, a gentle touch. And sometimes you have a, have a little firmer touch. And how some children, you need to know that raw material, need a little bit of a, uh, of a firmer hand than others. And if you have multiple children, you know it just, they all come in different degrees of uh, challenges and, and ease. And so know your hammer. Then we talked about the heat. The heat of the environment and making sure that parents see we can dial up the heat. And we can help control the atmosphere and the environment of our children. We can't do it perfectly. But a lot of us don't work at it at all. In making sure that they're exposed to the right kinds of environments. The right kinds of people. Your church family. Your biological family. And you can help, you can help maneuver and, and work strategically. Their peer group and their friendships. And try to create the kind of, of uh, environment that softens their heart to the gospel softens their heart to the work of God. And so a blacksmith knows his tools, the heat, the hammer, the anvil, and then finally, the blacksmith knows when, when to kind of seal it in, those opportune moments. moments. And, and so when the blacksmith has, has heated it to a certain degree and he's bent the shape and he wants to, wants to kind of freeze that in, he will put it into the cool waters 
And you and I, if we neglect the cool waters of grace and love and encouragement, then our children would find themselves brittle and broken. And so mastering the art of blacksmithing our our children is really the the constant challenge of parents, and now, now even grandparents as well. You and I have the opportunities to build the arrows. The Apostle Paul, I think one of the one of the ways that, one of the things that he kept in the back of his mind, even raising these, these spiritual children, is found in Ephesians. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Look at this. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so this was, this was Paul's methodology. Look at that verse just for a second with me. Notice that there's, there's no place in this verse, and there's really no place for overbearing, perfectionistic type parents. Raise your hand if you're one of those. Just join me. Okay, one of us. I, I agreed that I, sometimes I'm that way. Perfectionistic, overbearing and you, you try to just control your children and you want them to be perfect and often that's driven by pride. You want them to fit, fit into a mold and so you just you force it. You know what can happen? Well, a good blacksmith knows that if you force it too long, it can become brittle, it can break. Don't break your children through perfectionism. If you look at that verse again, he says, don't provoke your children, but you've got to bring them up. You have been charged with bringing them up. You've got to build them up. There's no place, listen, there's no place for passive parenting. Passive parenting. You've got to be willing to get in there and fight those battles and figure out all of the various children and all of their various various, uh, 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 weaknesses and strengths and needs and, and, and you can't become passive A lot of times, passivity is driven by selfishness. You just get tired, and you just decide it's not worth it. Or here's what you, if you're you're married and you have a spouse, you just hand them over to them. (laughs) So you take care of it. You remember Jacob and Esau? Uh, Jacob and Esau were brothers born to Isaac. Isaac and and Rebekah, and uh, they... It was kind of an interesting relationship they had there. Isaac kind of had a favorite. He liked Esau. He understood Esau, but he didn't understand Jacob. You ever had some children you didn't understand? He's like, why does Jacob like to hang out in the kitchen with his mother? What's wrong with that boy? I like Esau. He's more like me. And so he played favorites, and even, he even uh, started a feud with his children one that lasted for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years between Jacob and Esau because he just wasn't willing to stay active with Jacob. He preferred Esau. And it, you know why? Esau was easier for Isaac. He took the easier path. Isaac's wife did the same thing. She said, I, I really like Jacob. I don't understand Esau. He's always out in the field. He doesn't smell very good. 
Jacob helps me clean the kitchen. He's much easier going. I like Jacob. And so she kind of took the easier path. Passive parenting can lead to poisoning your children and, and, and playing favorites and all of this. Watch that it's not driven by selfishness. And then if you look at this verse again, there's also, it says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction. Discipline and instruction. There's no place in the smithy. <laughs> the blacksmiths can't be pushover parents. You can just see that old blacksmith and he's hammering, he's trying to make a piece of art and, he's, and he says, oh, I'm sorry, did I, did I bend you the wrong way? Did I strike a little too firm? You know, and, and you know, the it's, it's the, the metal's not working, the blacksmith, the blacksmith is working uh, the, the metal. And so uh, passive parents and, and uh, pushover parents have created disasters in Scripture. Remember what David did? David, I think because he was so guilty about all the bad things he had done, he, done, he took it kind of easy on his kids. You ever felt that way? I mean, David knew what a mess he could make. And so when he heard that Amnon had raped his, his uh, sister, he was very, very angry, but did what? Nothing. And it led to Absalom taking the place of his father and trying to bring revenge against Amnon, and it led to, led to the death of, of uh, both sons. Tragedy. And so Paul gives us a scripture. He says, fathers, you can't be overly bearing and perfectionistic. You can't be uh, passive and not bring them up. And when you bring them up, you can't be a pushover. Now, how many of you are ready to quit parenting right now? Just you know, be. It's a challenge, isn't it? isn't it? Notice that nowhere in this list and really nowhere in scripture do we find a perfect parent. There are no perfect parents. But we, get it, we must get in there and work to build the arrows. And Paul did this. We saw it last week in 2 Timothy. Now look at 1 Timothy, and we're going to see Paul's prayer. Paul's prayer. Now watch this. This is a prayer that I share with Paul for my children. I share for you as followers of Christ. And this is really God's wish for all of us as followers of of Christ. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Let me just give you three things real quick. Here's what, here's what every arrow needs to do. And this is my prayer for you graduates. It's my prayer for, for each of us as followers of Christ. Notice what it says, that we would wage the good war. And the, and the, and the, the word there for wage is, is soldiering, that you would be a good soldier. And then the word at the very end, warfare, is not battle. Here's why this is significant. It is not that you would fight that battle well. The word is for a long-term campaign and you know what what Paul is saying is Timothy I want you to know and this is my prayer for you as your spiritual parent is that you will fight well 
that you will wage well a lifetime spiritual battle. Do your children, your grandchildren, do they know there's a spiritual battle even going on? Paul never mentioned here the Roman authorities and some of the physical things going on. He just looked at him and said, Timothy, here's my prayer for you. You have got a lifelong spiritual battle to face. And I'm sending you out as a sharpened arrow, as a warrior into this battle. Satan and his forces and the world the world dynamic, the way the world works, and your very flesh, Timothy, is going to be at war with you. Are you ready to fight that as a campaign? A campaign. So often we see seniors that will go out of high school and they'll go to college and they're just, the first battle or two, they're out. <laughs> they're done. And so as parents, we've got to be preparing them, not just for a particular battle, but for a, a campaign, a life well-lived, a battle well-waged. And, we and to make sure they have all of the tools, Jesus told Simon Peter, when he was getting ready to send Simon Peter, well, he was, he was about to go to the cross, but he told Simon he said, Simon, Simon, here's what you need to know. Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So Jesus says, Simon Peter, I know you're the rock. I've talked to you about being rocky. And you know you have got a strong temperament and you know you're willing to fight I know all that good stuff about you and Peter's like no way Jesus I'm not going to give and I'm not going to be a problem and and Jesus says what Paul says you're about to face a battle and it is going to last not just now it's going to continue on and I'm praying for you as you launch out of what is right now University of Jesus you're in your high school education with me. I'm leaving. The Holy Spirit's coming. You're moving on into college. You're moving on into the career I've called you and designed you to be. You've got to be ready. There's a spiritual warfare coming. You've got to be ready. Satan wants to sift the coming generations. He wants to sift you. And so the prayer, the parents' prayer, Paul's prayer is that we would wage well a lifelong spiritual war. I was reading the other day the, an ad for uh, martial arts training. And the key, the key selling point is train your children to defend themselves. And I'm like, man, that would be great. They probably need martial arts training. That's good. But are they ready to face long-term spiritual warfare? Second of all, look at that, look at that scripture again, 1 Timothy 1.18. He says, I'm, I'm praying that you'll wage spiritual war, but look at what he says before that, in accordance with prophecies previously made about you. Now, evidently, when, when Timothy was young, the church saw something in him. And they had prophets in there before they had the written word of God, and some of the prophets would get a word from the Lord, and they would basically, I wish I'd had this, 
uh, uh, someone came up and said, well, the, the Lord has thus said, you're going to be a pastor. You're going to be a preacher. Or, and, and evidently, this prophecies had been made to Timothy, and the church had confirmed the work of God on his life, and, and uh, 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 he had been sent out, and he was accountable to the call and design of God on his life. Now, let me ask you this question. Are preachers the only ones called of God? No. Are pastors and professional staff the only ones designed by God to make a spiritual impact in the world? No. Then why do I hear you sometimes people will say, you know, Pastor, I could never do your job. It's so terrible. It's, it's so awful. I can only imagine. And I'm, and I'm thinking, well, a lot of what I do, you're supposed to do too. I understand what you mean by that. I certainly do understand that. But a lot of times, here's what we're quick to do. We're, we're, we'll put stuff off on the uh, ordained. And that kind of, in a sense, lets us off the hook. Let me put you back on the hook. God has a purpose for every single one of you. You have a design of God on your life. You have talents. Let me just read to you this scripture. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know, and he's not talking to the pastors here, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not whose? You're not your own. For you were bought with a price. Glorify God in your body. When you go to college, when you go to work tomorrow morning, when you go on vacation, you are not your own. Fulfill your God-given design. Be the arrow. And God may send you some places you're not really sure you want to go. And you may be in, put in some positions and, and called to do some things you really don't like to do. I love in, in 2 Timothy, he charges, he charges Timothy this wonderful thing. And I love the first part. He says, I charge you, Timothy, in the presence of God who judges the living and the dead. Preach the word. And I'm like, I love to preach the word. Man, I'm glad the word of God tells me to preach the word. But then he adds, oh, you're going to have to do it in season and out of season. Oh, and by the way, the next verse, people are going to prefer preachers that tickle their ears and tell them stuff they want to hear. Uh, don't do that. You keep preaching the word. Oh, and by the way, you're going to need to reprove and rebuke and correct people. No, 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 no. Yes, and then he says another thing. You're going to have to talk to them, he says, about money. In the same thing, he said, talk to them about money. Tell the ones that are rich in this world not to be conceited by those desires. You mean i got to talk about money? I don't want to talk about that. People don't like when I talk about that. So a lot of my job, I don't particularly like to do. I love to preach the word, but that includes. That includes the reality that all that comes with. And you have a duty and a design. And here's, here's the issue. Is that American Christianity is basically all optional. 
It's consumer driven. The sense of duty, a sense of having a design and, a, and just something. I do it because I'm designed and it's my duty to do it. I am called of God to serve the kingdom of God through the church of God, period. Put me to work. But it's all become sort of optional now, isn't it? What do we call soldiers who decide what they're doing is optional? Well, AWOL. Or uh, whatever else y'all said out there. And so Paul looks at Timothy and says, Soldier, the good campaign. Be an arrow. Don't get stuck. Soldier, the good battle. Not optional. You claim the name of Christ. Jesus says, you want to follow me, you first of all have to deny yourself. Take up your what? Cross, and then you're going to have to live like me and follow me. We can't skirt around these verses. And so I hear my spiritual father say what my earthly father said to me, and I hear what Paul, the spiritual father, is saying to Timothy is that I, if I have the design and purpose of God on my life, not just because I'm a pastor, but that's my role, that's my design, that's my cause, and i got to pastor, and i got to pastor where God puts me, and i got to do what God has called me to do. I don't have a choice whether I like it or not. That doesn't fit American Christianity, does it? just doesn't we're kind of driven towards self-fulfillment well am I being fed is it really good is it is it my style be an arrow be what God designed you to be and launched you to be make an impact don't just get stuck Fulfill your God-given design. And finally, look at what he says in verse 19. Hold fast your faith with a good conscience. Holding faith. Man, if I could just get every single Christian high school graduate, college graduate, man, when you go in there, hold fast your faith and what does it mean to hold fast your faith? Don't compromise your, what you know is true. Biblical truth. Hold on to that. It's going to be attacked. Second of all, do it with a good conscience. What's that mean? Keep your life clean. Keep your life clean. Here's what happens. When you allow sin into your life and you just, you, you don't, you just uh, pollute your life in whatever way, and, and your life is not you, it will cause and corrupt your conscience. And when your conscience is corrupted and you're feeling the conviction of the Spirit, you are likely sometimes to change the facts of your faith to fit your life. And there are going to be all sorts of people in the colleges, there will be all sorts of people in the community, and your own family members who will say, you know, you, you could think of it this way. Oh yeah, I like it that way. When I think of it this way, it fits the way I'm acting. 
makes me more comfortable in my sin. I, I know I don't normally get this hard on us, but this is what Paul is praying. He's saying, you've got to be the arrow, and to do that, you've got to keep a clean conscience, and you've got to hold fast to the truth that you've been taught, to penetrate, to make a difference, to wage a lifelong battle. And when you don't, look at this next verse. When you don't, or verse 19, by pushing this away, verse 19, by rejecting this truth, this call upon your life, rejecting truth and righteousness and obedience, when you reject that, what happens? Shipwreck. You get stuck on the reef. You shipwreck. You don't move forward. And then he names a couple of his spiritual children. I believe these were in connection somehow to Paul and how this must have broken his heart to say among them, Timothy, as a warning to you, have you heard about how Menaeus and Alexander and Timothy goes, "Uh uh-huh, you're right. They started teaching wrong truth and they started teaching godlessness in their lifestyle. They shipwrecked their faith. And when you do that, you know what you invite into your life? You invite into your life the discipline of God. I think that's what Paul is saying here when he says, Whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. I tend to believe this is, this is Paul saying, I, we, are, we are pushing them out of the fellowship. We're giving them over to what they wanted, praying that the discipline of God, and God will use Satan to discipline you get pushed out into that and you're wide open to that and, and the discipline came hoping, hoping that the children, Hymenaeus and Alexandra would learn. How many of you want that kind of discipline in your life? Then be the what? Arrow. Be the arrow. Fulfill your duty. Hold fast your faith with a pure life. Wage the battle realizing it's a lifelong campaign. Jim Elliott was a famous missionary. And he was he went out to the the Indians in South America, and y'all probably know his story into the spear. You know that he was killed by those he was uh, trying to witness to, and his parents were trying to discourage him from going out there. And he wrote back to his parents, Grieve not then if your sons seem to desert you, but rejoice rather seeing the will of God done gladly. Rejoice in seeing your children do the will of God done gladly. Gladly, and you launch them off. But listen to this other quote. This is not just to our young people who are graduating. This is to all of us. Missionary Jim Elliott wrote this. Those whimpering stateside young people will wake up on the day of judgment condemned to worse fates than these demon-fearing Indians because having a Bible, they were bored with it. While these never even had such a thing as writing. 
the impact of Jim Elliott's short life is being felt even, even today. Even today. Would you bow your heads just for a moment with me and listen to the words of this hymn. It's a hymn by Isaac Watts. Pretty amazing words. When I read these, it just encouraged me to be an arrow. Am I the soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? And shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood? Is this vile world a friend to grace to help me on to God? Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain, supported by thy word. With every head bowed and eye closed, we can only be the arrow. We can only make impact because Christ made an impact for us. Jesus was sent from the Father. He was sent from the Father to bear your sins and my sins, to free us and forgive us. Have you received that? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? If you haven't, it's the only way to find eternal life and find uh, meaning in life and purpose. He has a design and a purpose in your life, but you find it in Christ. Would you come to Him this morning? church would you hear what Jesus said and I believe he's saying it to every single one of us he said even as the father has sent me launched me into this world so I send you he's launched you be the arrow father I just pray that for my life and that we as church would be a church full of Christ followers. None of us are perfect. We're not perfect parents. We're not perfect people. But God, I really believe if we'll wake up and understand there's a spiritual campaign, a, a, a war in the spiritual realm that we must face every day and that we have a purpose and a design from you. And God, if we'll just hold on to our truth that we find in scripture and hold fast a life that is clean and pure and forgive us God when we, we fail and God I just believe you'll use us to impact Gainesville and beyond I pray for these graduates as they launch out they'll remember your design in their life and your desire for them I thank you God for your opportunity you give us every day to come back to you to confess our sin if we need to, to be sharpened once again by your Holy Spirit and your word. May we respond now, God, as we sing the way you've called us in our hearts. We ask in Jesus' name.